Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. I don't look at this as profiting. This is not a time for profit or for gaining or for uh, thinking, oh, I did it or I hit the jackpot or whatever. This is, this is, I think, a time for remembering. It's a time of reconciliation. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms protects all Canadians, every one of us, even when it is uncomfortable. Well, there in, uh, I was going to say descending order of importance, but anyway, there's Omar Cotter and uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And Trudeau making the case for the charter being responsible for the $10.5 million payout to Omar Cotter. And it's been the issue for this country over the last week and a half, two weeks. And I just sense that this is, and I wondered about it as recently as yesterday for a little while. But I do get the sense that this one's not going to go away. It is not going to disappear. It will not become a situation that becomes a comfortable one to forget for the liberals, or particularly for Mr. Trudeau, who suggested in the United States that, oh, well, we had to give him the $10.5 million. It wasn't the charter anymore. Now it was financial rationale. We had to give him the $10.5 million because if we didn't do that, it would go to the courts, and that would probably, by the end, it would... Costs us thirty to forty million dollars. How do you, I, I said this yesterday? How do you know that? This was about getting Cotter, hopefully, off the front pages, and all it's done is created Omar Cotter story as a national and international headline. Now, I um, I was reading Daniel Pipes history of the uh, Carter family. Daniel Pipes is the president of the Middle East Forum. He publishes the Middle East Quarterly Journal. He's an American author, historian, and commentator, and I've thought on a number of occasions of inviting Mr. Pipes, uh, Dr. Pipes, on the show, and we did it for today, and he's been uh, kind enough to agree to come on. Dr. Pipes, thank you very much for the time, and what was it that initially caught your interest about the Carter family? Well, thank you for the invitation. I first wrote about the Cotters in March 2004 when I was astonished by this family, father, mother, four sons, two daughters, almost all of whom, except for one son and one daughter, were deeply involved with al-Qaeda, with jihadi violence, with hating the West. And uh, after that, I I started a blog, which I I added up, and it's some 16,000 words now over these 13 years basically just adding the news items as they as they arose over the years. And it's, it's in anticipation of this call, I looked it over, and it's astonishing how many things they've gone into, how many legal cases, how many depositions, how many international issues, how many uh, celebrations by the media, how many discussions by the politicians, uh, culminating, I think, in the last couple of weeks, this latest development. But this is certainly just part of a much larger phenomenon going back to the 1980s. This, this just 
didn't begin recently. This started with uh, the father's involvement with Islamist causes that the Canadian taxpayer paid for back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, when I started looking at what you had written, the chronology that you put together, and you can find it, folks, at danielpipes.org, danielpipes.org, it's 26 pages. And it's one item after another, after another, after another, and each and every one of them is relevant. They might deal with one of the Carter family, might deal with two, might deal, as you said, with an event that the family was responsible for creating or found themselves somehow wrapped up in, but it's 26 pages. And as this is all unfolding, the media in this country and political parties, particularly the Liberal Party and the New Democrats, those on the center-left and left, seem to be doing everything they could to minimize any negative um, reporting or any negative opinion um Dissolution? No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Any negative opinion offering from from anyone? They they would just they just try to keep everything in a, in a, in a neat, tidy box with this family, and you can't. No, you can't. Uh, I think symbolic of that was November 2015 cover story in the claims that showed Omahada with a couple of others and a rather glamorous portrayal. Uh, I, as, as I see it from the outside, as an American. This is a case of the judiciary and the mainstream media together changing the narrative about the Khadars from what I've called Canada's, Canada's first family of, of terrorism to a family of victims who have been badly treated by the U.S., the Canadian, the Pakistani, the Afghan, and other governments. Poor people, uh, they deserve our sympathy and indeed our money. Have you developed any theories as to why it became important to clear the Cotter name by those who insisted on on doing it for years in this country? Why? Well, this fits into a larger pattern where the left apologizes for the Islamist aggression, the jihadi fighting against us, and says, really, it's our fault. We have misbehaved whether it be in Afghanistan or anywhere else, we, the West, are evil, and the Islamists are simply responding to our evil. So let's be nice to them. Let's pay them off. Let's feel guilty. Let's uh, you know, feel remorse for our actions and try to do better in the future. Mr. Trechian, on the anniversary of 9-11, and I remember that very clearly because we did a Network broadcast from New York City. We went to New York City and we rented studio space at WOR. And uh, Mr. Chrétien, on the anniversary of 9-11, and I'm paraphrasing loosely, almost seemed to suggest that it really was the largesse of the Western countries, the, the success of Western nations and the unwillingness to share their success that should be looked at as the potential rationale behind 9-11 and other terrorist activities. Now, like I said, I'm, I'm very loosely paraphrasing what the former prime minister said, and I read that just again just a couple of weeks ago, and that's even disturbing now. You know, 16 years later, it's disturbing to read that. Yes, certainly Chrétien was part of that attitude. The fact that he went to Pakistan and managed to get the father of Omar Khadr released, 
astonishing. Here is someone who is virulently anti-Canadian, anti-Western, who had engaged in crimes, who was participant in al-Qaeda, and the Canadian prime minister goes out of his way to pressure the Pakistanis to let him go, which they did. Um, yeah, it goes back to the sense of guilt, that we in the West have acted badly, we have exploited other peoples, we are rich at their expense, we have rights at their expense, and don't be surprised and don't blame them if they act against us, whether it be 9-11 on a large scale or Omar Khadr's attacking and killing one American soldier and blinding another one. How has the last week and a half to two weeks in Canada gone over in the United States? What's been the reaction been to the fact that Cotter was, uh, was, was, was delivered this $10.5 million, and uh, then earlier this week, an Ontario court said that that money could not be frozen, so that uh, Christopher Spears' widow Tabitha and uh, Lane Morris, the American sergeant who lost an eye in the grenade uh, that uh, to the grain that grenade that Omar Cotter threw, uh, Lane Morris was on the air with us yesterday. What's the reaction in the United States been to this? Although this is in good part an American story, with Americans killed and wounded, with uh, Omar Khadr spending something like a decade in Guantanamo, uh, many court cases involving him, still it has quite disappeared from the American media and the American consciousness. Uh, insofar as Americans are following this, they're outraged, but that's not a lot of people. Dr. Pipes, we want to take a break, and then when we come back, I'd like you to, to please share with us, so you, you, you looked at the chronology and the, and the article that you wrote, the 26 pages of the Cotters, Canada's First Family of Terrorism in the News, and I'll ask you to share with us some of the specific incidents that stand out to you most significantly about this family and their time in this country. We'll come back on The Roy Green Show. This is the Chorus Radio Network. He weighs both sides of the story and chooses what's right over what's wrong. More Roy Green on the Chorus Radio Network. The good thing about this apology for me is that it's going to restore a little bit of, of my, my reputation here in Canada. It's And maybe that would give people an opportunity... You know, to give me a chance and to think there might be more than what is just said in the media. Omar Cotter, just a couple of days ago, I was reading from uh, Professor Daniel Pipe's chronology of the Cotters in Canada about Abdullah Cotter in 2004. He was uh, doing an interview with the CBC, and he was asked about training camps for terrorists. And uh, he admitted that, I'm reading here now from Dr. Pipe's, chronology. He admitted that as a teenager, he attended the Kaldan camp in Afghanistan, which intelligence officials allege was linked to al-Qaeda. And he says, quote, anyone who wants to get trained can get trained in Afghanistan. If you want to fire a Kalashnikov, it's like in Canada, learning hockey. Anybody can do it. A 10-year-old boy can fire a Kalashnikov in Afghanistan, so it's no big deal. When asked about 9-11 in the CBC interview, Carter replied, but he felt sorry for those who were killed, but admiration for the hijackers. Quote, it was very wild to see a person seeing a building in front of him, and he's going 900 kilometers per hour straight into the building. That was very hard to believe. If you believe in something very hard, you can do that, he said. So you felt admiration for the people who did this, the CBC reporter asked him. 
Yes, said Cotter, because they did some things that stunned the entire world. And Cotter said everybody for an entire, like, months was only talking about that. That, shake, that shakes you up a little bit, uh, Dr. Pipes, when you read that. It certainly does. Uh, there was one Frenchman who was in Afghanistan. He said he never met anyone as deeply hostile to the West as the father, the patriarch of the Khadr crew. And uh, almost all of them, there are a couple of exceptions, have followed in his, foot, in his footsteps. They're uh, virulently anti-Canadian, anti-Western in their speech and in their actions. Was there a specific, was there one or two or three dates, moments in the family's history that particularly stand out to you? That is quite a challenge. They have such a long history of malfeasance. One thing that struck me was that back in September 2004, uh, I had a private communication from the landlady of the Khadr family, and it, it, it showed them in a different light. Not only are they so hostile on political level, but on a private level, renting in an apartment, they were obnoxious. Uh, they didn't pay their money. They left the place in absolute, um, in terrible shape, dirty, broken. So uh, what you see here is a disdain for Canada, for Canadians, that goes beyond the abstraction of 9-11 and down to their own way of life. Another thing that struck me is that they, they just all the time in the news, um, one of the hotter girls married the son of a prominent tax lawyer and judge. And to make a long story short, his house was attacked as a result of this, with the, this the Boyle house. Um, it just goes on and on. One, wherever they go, whatever they do, it's trouble, it's antipathy, it's hatred, it's anti-Western ideals, it's jihadi uh, motivations. November 2015... You wrote that about Omar Cotter, uh, feature sympathetically on the cover of Maclean's, quote, Canada's National Magazine, along with a victim of Islamic violence, uh, and um, if I, if I, uh, actually, you know, it's not you who said this, but you did write at the end, and I'm trying to put these pieces of paper together here, they managed to transform a pathological murderer into a victim providing al-Qaeda with a great PR victory. Has this all been uh, exactly that? How, how, is the, how is the terrorist movement internationally interpreting what's gone on in Canada, particularly over the last two weeks? Or is that, is that a redundant question? <laughs> the, the Islamist movement has two wings. The violent wing, the jihadi wing, the terrorist wing, on the one hand, and the nonviolent political wing on the other hand. As time goes on, it appears increasingly that the violent wing is not achieving much. Yes, it can kill people, it can destroy property, but in the end, it creates a revulsion, a horror, a fear that is not beneficial to the Islamist movement, to the movement that seeks to apply Islamic law on everybody. It is the nonviolent wing the one that works through the political institutions, educational, media, philanthropic, legal, that does much better. And so I think over time what we see is the nonviolent is becoming more effective and more dominant, and the violent one less so. 
And it's not to say the violent activities aren't still happening. That's not what's really moving the Islamist movement. That's not what's helping the Islamist movement move forward. Should we uh, be concerned about Omar Khadr showing up again in his former, I don't want to say role, but in his former reality? He talks about a little bit of his reputation being restored by the apology by Prime Minister Trudeau. And I muse that if, uh, if his reputation is restored, that's something we should all be terrified of. But uh, should, we ever, should we be concerned about Omar Khadr? From a violent point of view, I doubt it. I'd be very surprised if he engaged in more violence. Concerned from a political Islamist point of view, yes, indeed. He has an extraordinary platform. He is a newsworthy person. He has the ability to say things and do things which will influence, which will reach a significant audience. And that's my worry, that he now is someone with a good reputation, who has been, someone who's been who the state of Canada says it has damaged and paid restitution for. And he now will be someone who has prestige. Can you see him running for public office in this country? I certainly can, yes. Yeah, let a few years go by. Yeah, it's possible. Dr. Pipes, thank you very much for the time. Thank you for the invitation. Good to talk to you. Call to you again, Dr. Daniel Pipes. And it's danielpipes.org the Middle East Forum. So think about that. A year or two down the line, or maybe five years down the line, wouldn't be 2019. But maybe a few years after that, Omar Khadr runs for public office. Municipal, provincial, federal, who knows? My number is 1-800-263-2428. 800-263-2428. What is the uh, Khadr family chronology suggests to you that they're committed Canadians? Um, do you think Omar Cotter is a kind and gentle man whose reputation has been partially restored by the Trudeau government and who deserves a chance by Canadians? Are people being too harsh and too unforgiving in what's been said and what's been written and what's been commented on particularly over the last couple of weeks, 800-263-2428. Do you think it's possible, do you think it's possible that Cotter might run and maybe get elected to office in this country? 1-800-263-2428. And uh, do you think that Cotter deserves more of a chance from Canadians who have been, well, we've all been pretty harsh on him. So what do you say? be fascinating to find out what your thoughts are, and we will when we come back.